it's rare that I do this, but I am taking a moment of privilege during worship, because I'm talking right now, to wish my father a happy 92nd birthday. Uh, today is his 92nd birthday, and I'm very thankful for the way he raised me and taught me and for the person I've become, in part, because of how he shaped my life. So I'm very, very thankful. So happy birthday, Dad. Today's uh, biblical story about a call is, I want to say it, it might be my favorite biblical story about call, uh, because it's a comedy. Now, in, in English, we don't always get the comedy when we read the translation, but in the Hebrew, it is just a comedy of events. This is the story of the calling of David. Uh, and, you know, he rose to be a great king in Israel, you know, important, made some major mistakes along the way, uh, but he was a man after God's own heart, we're told. Um, but he didn't begin that way. He didn't begin that way, and most people didn't recognize any particular uh, talent or gift in him, perhaps. So I'm reading to you from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. Samuel is a prophet and maybe sort of a last of the judges. Uh, he's kind of a crossover uh, guy in the Old Testament uh, one of the last judges and the first prophets in, uh, in the biblical story. And so uh, there's a king in Israel, Saul. God didn't really want to put a king in charge. God was like, I, I don't think you need a king. Let me just be your king. Well, they kept demanding it because you know how people are. Uh, you do, because you are one. Uh, and so they got a king and wasn't a very good king. Saul didn't turn out to be very good. So Samuel is kind of sad about, he's grieving over Saul. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come in peace? He said, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse called Abinadab 
and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass by before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. May God bless the reading and the hearing of this word this morning. Thanks be to God. It's an interesting call story. Some people would say it's not even really a call story. I mean, what do you mean call story? I didn't hear God call out to David from a burning bush or tell him what was about to come or tell him what he was supposed to do. I just heard about Samuel coming to town, to Bethlehem of all places, and, uh, you know, having a little beauty show, beauty contest, where each one of the, you know, the guys come out and sort of stand there, and Samuel says, nope, not you. Uh, until finally, none of them wins. Have you ever been to a beauty contest where no one wins? Apparently, this is one. And so he says, listen, we got to have another contestant because none of these work. None of these work. And so they send for, uh, you know, the extra contestant out watching the sheep, David. And sure enough, that's the one God wants because God looks at the heart not the appearance. So the first son comes out, and you would think it's a pretty good guy. You know, his name, Eliab, means God is my father. <laughs> hey, what better name could you have? You know, that sounds like, a, hey, ought to choose that guy. He looked good. He had a strong kind of firm stature about him, we're told in the story. And first children are the ones that inherit everything anyway. They're the top of the line in this early, you know, uh, early Israelite culture, in ancient culture anyway. The first son, everything goes to them. This guy had it all. Uh, why not make him king? But God didn't look at all of that outward appearance. Have you ever thought about the kinds of uh, things we use to judge in the world in which we live, how we decide who's called to do what? Isn't it by the way things look on the outside? Isn't it the way that we think that they are based on some uh, impression that we've made to ourselves? Because Lord knows not a single one of us knows most of each other's heart. That actually takes some work. We find it so much easier for us to just deal with making, you know, an assumption based on appearance. Surely this is the one. Surely, that one couldn't possibly be the one. And that seems to be the case for most of us in our lives, the way we approach people, the way we approach life, the way we approach 
hiring somebody for a job. We look at them, we size them up. How many times have I been told, you know, the first impression is the most important impression. And what they're talking about is what you wear to the job interview. If you show up in a suit and a tie and you seem to know what you're looking, you, you actually cut your hair. Maybe if you're me, you actually shaved that day. And you, you show up and people are like, yeah, this, this candidate is, can at least get to the interview part of it. But show up in some other fashion than that and they've already discounted you before you even sit down. You might be the brightest guy in the room, doesn't matter. The brightest gal in the room, it doesn't matter because you've already sized them up based on an appearance. You have no idea how capable are in. Now think of how that's playing out in our society today and how it's played out for the last hundreds of years. We look at people, we judge them by their color. We judge them by their nationality. We, we judge them if they're wearing a hijab. We've made a decision about them already because they are different than we are. God does not look at that stuff. And until we as the church stop looking at that stuff, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss what God is really calling us to in life. So we've got to stop looking at the outward appearance and start looking at what the heart is. And you know what it takes to look at someone's heart? You have to get past all of the layers. You have to get past the layers and actually sit down and get to know who they are. God's already done that. God already knows our hearts. God already knows God's heart. And God already has laid something on each one of us to fit into what God hopes for in our world. Each one of us is meant to sing our note in the symphony. Even those of us who are tone deaf, we have a note to sing in the symphony. Maybe you're the percussionist, I don't know. The bottom line is God has a call for us. Now, look at this story. It may not have seemed all that funny to you. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. And they all look good. But God had someone in mind already. And it was the last, the least, the youngest, the one that's not even in the room. God already had someone in mind. Have you ever felt like you were the last one selected? Let me just tell you. My family could tell you I have absolutely no coordination. It was worse when I was a child, just absolutely worse. If there was a person in the world that could trip over a foot without even moving, you're looking at him. You're looking at him. I could trip. I remember in first grade, Miss Key's classroom, when we go out for recess. You know, sometimes it was organized recess and there was a kickball team. Yes, I was the last one selected. And, it, and you could see the disdain on the captain's face when they had to, you know, that deep breath of a six-year-old. We'll take James. In those days, they would call me Jamie. We'll take Jamie. And, you know, I never failed to live in to the calling of my kickballishness. Roll a ball at me even now, and the chances are about 50-50 and I'm being really generous with myself, 50-50 that I will end up on the ground. The ball will get by me, coming, 
You can roll it like you would roll a, you know, to a small child. That doesn't matter. Does not matter because this foot will go out and this body will go up and I'll be on the floor. And it'll be an adventure. And you'll get a good laugh and hopefully I won't break any bones in my old brittle body. The long and short of it is I know what it's like to be picked last. I also know what it's like to be picked first. But I was never picked first for a team like that involved any kind of physical, you know, exertion or coordination. Never. I had been picked first for something. I'm sure of it. Now I, I had something in mind. I couldn't remember what it was. I've been picked in at least the middle range at some point in my life. How's that? Not last. Not last. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter whether I was picked first or last or in between. And it doesn't matter for you either, because God's already got a calling for you. God's already seen your heart. Now, the challenge for most of us is, is we discount our heart. We discount our gifts. We discount who we are. We discount and diss ourselves. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm pretty good at, self-deprecation. I can tell you how stupid I am, how, uh, you know, I, I have a friend who calls me out now every time we're on the phone. He said, James, that was twice this time that you called yourself a crackhead. And he said, you know, you may think it's entertaining, but how much of that is truly what you're thinking of yourself? How much uh, of making fun of yourself is an unwillingness to risk being who you really are? who God might be calling you to be. How much of your own feeling down about yourself is a fear that you might actually be loved for who you are? Or maybe it's not, it's worse than a fear. Most all of your life, someone has told you, you're not good enough to do anything but go out and watch the sheep. Which by the way, pretty important. Pretty important. If you're not out, if somebody's not out watching the sheep, they will wander off or something will eat them. But how many times have you felt like you weren't good enough to hang out with the first seven and you've got to hang out by yourself with sheep? You know, that you don't belong, that you don't fit in. You see, the kingdom of heaven is made for people that don't think they fit in. The kingdom of heaven is made for people just like you. The people who already know they fit in already think they're better than the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember the story in the Gospels where the landowner invites everyone to come to dinner? He picks all the cool people in town. And guess how many of them come? When it's time for the dinner, not a single one shows up. They send excuses. I'm busy. I'm watching the sun come up. I'm busy. I'm watching my wife's beard grow. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm busy. I'm doing something else. So what happens? The landowner compels everyone. Go out and get everyone off the street. Because everyone's welcome in the kingdom. If you're a one of the rabble on the street, that's the one God wants. God wants you. God wants me. If you feel like you're the last, the least, the lost, the unknown the unvalued, the unwanted, the unloved, if that's what you feel, have I got good news for you. God already loves you.
Okay, I can see it. You don't believe me. You don't believe me, do you? God already loves you. I know. I just decided if I said it louder, maybe you'd really believe me. The problem is believing the bad stuff is easier. How much? I, I told you a while back, if you haven't been paying attention, it's okay. I don't always pay attention to myself either. Self-deprecation right there. The way our brains work, it takes 15 seconds for your brain to latch on to a positive thought. It takes a nanosecond to latch on to a negative thought. Latch on like that. Latch on like that because I can't wait 15 seconds. Too much dead air time. It's too hard for you to believe the good. And yet, when God made each of us and all of us, when God made humanity in God's image, God saw not only that it was good, but that it was very good. God already loves you. I don't know how many times I can say it. I can say it as many times as you need to hear it. The problem is you need to believe it. You are loved and called. You are loved and called. There is a place at God's table for you. David was out watching the sheep. The seven brothers that looked like they had their act together weren't the ones that were after God's heart. David, the sheep tender. David, the ruddy one, which means red-haired. Apparently, David had red hair. Probably why he wasn't thought of as coming to the table. If I'm to believe South Park, red hair means, you know, you don't have a soul. Uh, okay, I don't believe South Park. And I've never watched South Park. And none of you should either. Red hair. Handsome. Youngest. No reason to call him in except God wanted him. You may feel like there's no reason to call you in either. But I've got news for you. God wants you in the game. God wants you to be as loving as you can be. God wants you to use whatever gifts God has given you so that the world can be a, a better place. That's what the kingdom is. Becoming the person God wants us to be. Living into the person God has called us in our lives to be here and now. Even if we get picked last. God doesn't pick us last. And you, you can't, there's no accounting for taste in our world. Because everyone has their own. God loves you because you are. God calls you because God sees in your heart that which makes you uniquely made in the image of God. And because God sees that, God can see what you could do in this world. So if you're one of those kids like me who has been picked last in life, and you think that God wouldn't even pick you last, you're wrong. And hopefully you're listening to me because you believe that at least I speak the truth authentically as I can. 
You're wrong. About this you are. God already loves you and God has already called you. Now the question becomes, if you can believe that God already loves you and has called you, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It doesn't matter how old or young you are. I've already called out my dad, 92 today. I believe he's living into his calling. I believe he has his whole life in one way or another. There are moments when I know I'm living in mine. And there are moments when I ignore God's call in my life. I know I should respond, but I don't. Or I know I shouldn't respond, and I do. Jim Finley, one of my teachers, says it's kind of like you're in a boat. And it's getting, and, and you can see the falls ahead, and you know that you should not go over the falls. You should not let the boat go over the falls, that you should get the oars and start rowing back the other way, let it go. But you don't. And suddenly you find yourself going over the falls. And so you just smile and wave at yourself. Smile and wave. Smile and wave, boys. Madagascar, if you've never watched it, that is something you can watch. The truth of all of us is we're not all we could be. And somehow, God loves us anyway. That in every moment, we're not really there sometimes. Most moments, maybe. And God loves us anyway. And God invites us to learn from those mistakes when we miss the party and God calls us in anyway. The ones that are already here, I, I, none of them are my guys or gals. I need the one that's not even here. Are you one of the ones that's not even here? God's calling you. God's calling you. Next week, we're going to look at God's what I consider to be one of the shortest call stories in the Bible. Matthew, sitting at the tax table, Jesus says, follow me, and he gets up and follows him. That's where we're going next week. So if you want to study up, want to get ahead of the game, don't want to be out in the cold watching the sheep, whatever, there you go. Follow me. What can we learn from Matthew and his call?